Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome, folks. Welcome to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Uh, we are kicking off 2024 with uh, an inspiration, what will be, I know, an inspirational episode. We often start the year with dreams and visions and intentions and resolutions. Uh, for many of us, some of, sometimes those intentions fall by the wayside. But I have a feeling that 2024 is going to be your most powerful year. And we're, we're here to help you kick it off in the most powerful way. So I wanted to bring on someone who honestly has been an inspiration to me in many ways. I first read his book about 20 years ago, Conscious Loving. It is a classic book uh, in terms of relationship and understanding the art of relating. It is an amazing book. If you If you haven't read this book, check it out. This man has been a leader in the field of relationship transformation and body-mind therapies for 45 years plus, if not more at this point. He's been on Oprah, CNN, uh, CNBC, and so many other media outlets. He's a legend in my eyes, and it's always uh, an honor to have him on and get to spend any time with him in any way. Uh, Welcome, Gay Hendricks. Thank you so much, Kud. It's such a joy to be with you. I really love your show, your podcast, and I've always kept up with your work and I've oh, been a cheerleader you. of yours for many years myself. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like uh, you're a huge blessing, Gay. I've never really got to, to really tell you directly, but you know, your book, Conscious Loving, uh, wow, 20 years ago, I was sort of entering my first, you could say, deep love relationship of four years. And that book was, it, it, it kept me sane and help me heal and help me understand. So I just, you know, I just feel I want everyone listening to know that, you know, I'm indebted in some ways to you. And it's folks like you that I feel have pioneered, you know, for many of us listening, some of the, the newer generation and the generations younger than me. Many of us are able to do what we are doing because you and many such as you and your wife have paved the way, not only in writing, writing your books, but also in your own sort of inner evolution, in your spiritual practices that have opened the the the, the trails in consciousness for us all to sort of uh, pursue. So just just thank you, man. You're you're you you are you're a real one, and I appreciate you saying yes to coming on. So thank, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Yes, Katie and I just celebrated our 43rd wedding anniversary last week. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. <laughs> longer than you've been alive, I'm sure. Yeah, right, right <laughs> at that zone. <laughs> right in that zone. So listen, I know you have uh, a new book out, your big leap year. Uh, and I want to talk about the book. And I, I just, you know, since this is the first episode of Soul Talk 2024, I'd love to kind of kick off the year by saying, look, if 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 there's anyone listening and they, they're feeling stuck, 
they're feeling a bit stuck in their lives. They're not sure how to get unstuck. They would like to get unstuck. What what is a beginning? Where can they start so that they can sort of shift the energy to create a a year that is you know fulfilling and 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 full of happiness and joy. Well, one of the reasons we uh, I wrote the big leap, uh, your big leap year is to take the big leap, uh, which is along with conscious loving, my most um, widely read book, and to break it down into something you could do every day to move your life mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. And so I think one thing that gets people stuck is they do some practices and things start going better and then they forget to do them and then things start not going as well. And so that's just a natural process of human development, I think. And um, But in the big leap and in your big leap year, um, why I think it can really help people with the constant problem of inertia. You know, we tend to hit our upper limits and kind of back off a little bit from our true genius. But what I think is really useful is sustained daily practice, something you can do to keep that door of consciousness, the window of consciousness clean and opening more and more every day. And, you know, I'm a big believer in what I would call uh, easy discipline in the sense that, like, I've meditated every day. I first learned TM back in 1972. So I've meditated every day since for 51 years now. Wow. And why would I do something like that if it's hard? No, it's easy. You know, I sit and I meditate for 20 minutes or so, and I always feel great afterwards. My mind is clear and my body is relaxed It because it gives me something particular structured to do every day that's, that's easy. Uh, I don't believe we should stress ourselves out in any way in your personal growth. You know, I know people that do... 16 different things. And, uh, you know, they try to journal and do affirmations and, uh, and kind of get overwhelmed and, and kind of put the whole thing aside. So here we keep it simple. We uh, invite people to do a little period of meditation every day and a few simple, what we call wonder questions, things like, uh, hmm, how can I live more in my genius every day of my life? We call that a wonder question because it's a question that you don't know the answer to, and the answer to it would change your life. That's mm-hmm. what we call a wonder question. So mm-hmm. to get in the habit of kind of going into that space of creative, not knowing, you know, wondering about things and curiosity, mm-hmm. those are the great superpower tools that human beings have. And we often don't use them uh, as much as we possibly could. Mm-hmm. Got it. You talked about, um, the sustained action. What does someone do when they know what they should do, but they they, they just don't feel like it? Yeah, they don't mm-hmm. feel the mo- like I don't feel the motivation, and I I know I should exercise and I want to, but I just the mood, the feeling, how, how to navigate that part. Is is there a question? Is there a, is it willpower? Is it just a decision? Is it what do you do? One thing that is really important to do, and almost never anybody does it, is 
to go underneath that lack of motivation and find out what you're afraid of. Because ah. fear generates those kinds of doubt thoughts and apathy thoughts. In the big leap, I talk about four big fears that are underneath the upper limit problem, why we keep sabotaging ourselves. Yeah. One of them is super important, and so many people have it. I've even had people in here you know, who win Grammys and Oscars and things like that, and even they still suffer from it a little bit. And that's a fear that you're fundamentally flawed in some way. Mm. A lot of us go around dragging an old feeling from childhood that we don't deserve the good things of life because of things that happened way back there. Or maybe we say we're in the wrong place or the wrong gender or the wrong skin color to be successful. But, you know, in every situation, you can find a thousand different things that disprove that. You know, like uh, you can't really uh, anymore get away with making excuses. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I have a, a friend who, for example, um, was crippled at birth. Wow. And now that's, you know, something that almost all of us would feel bad about. Yeah. But by working on that, he started almost turned it into a superpower in the sense wow. of by telling people how he deals with that something we can all learn from. Mm. And I was just so heartened. Actually, earlier today, um, a woman got in touch with me on Instagram and told me her eight-year-old daughter likes to listen to The Big Leap at mm. night to go to sleep, the audio version of The Big Leap. <laughs> wow. Eight years old, you know, what is that like about the second grade or some, third grade, something like that? And uh, I was just that made my day, frankly. And also being on your show, that's making my day too. But uh, just hearing that an eight-year-old out there is lying in bed, going to sleep, listening to these ideas, that gives me hope for the future. When someone acknowledges the fear, but they're like, okay, yeah, I, 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 I get this is what I'm afraid of, but I still, I still feel it. And it kind of feels like, Sometimes we feel like it just has a grip on us, you know? Mm -hmm. what, 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 what do we do? Well, you've, you've mentioned things like willpower and why those often don't work and making a decision and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Even something like using affirmations doesn't mm -hmm. really work unless you can get underneath all that and find out what you're afraid of and how to deal with that fear. And here's how to deal with fear. We say... Fear is excitement without the breath. Hmm. In other words, if you hold your breath, you get scared. But if you, you actually produce excitement in your body, if you can learn to kind of breathe with your fear and be with it, it's important to learn some personal things to do so you don't have to rely on other people. Uh, you know, there are some times in life when you really do need other people, like if you you know, slide your car into a ditch, get some help and help pull it out. Mm -hmm, but yeah. a lot of times things that really bother us are not something that another person can really help us with unless they're a, you know, a trained coach or a person who mm -hmm. really knows about the depths of human, um, the human essence. I think that in every situation, you're always better to feel the fear mm -hmm. rather than push it aside or 
drink alcohol or overeat or all the bunch of things that people do to make their fear go away. Mm. And I've had to, and you've probably had to in your life, you've come up against feelings like fear or sorrow or sadness or some kind of old thing that's happened in your life. What you have to do is simply be with it and honor mm. it and treasure it and ultimately love it as it is. The quick cure for fear is love. Getting mm. underneath, like if you're not feeling motivated, if you're having trouble getting in gear every day, to really get underneath that and find out, what am I afraid of? Am I afraid of rejection if I put my genius out into the world? Or mm -hmm. am I afraid that I don't have a genius? Or what mm -hmm. is it I'm really afraid of? Because if you will sit with that for a while and open up and feel your own natural compassion and love for that, that moves you through it much faster than trying to deny it or make it go away or use willpower or use an affirmation or something like that. Because the truth is that none of us really come into this world equipped with the skills we need to navigate our way through the big things of life. We have to just pay attention to life itself and find out what it requires of us because mm -hmm. your solution might be different from my solution, but we all got to go to the same place to get that solution, which is down underneath all of our fears and doubts because that's where the creative essence of the universe lies within us. Mm -hmm. if, if, the universe itself is a wildly creative place. I was reading in a science magazine once about a place in the universe where 32 suns, S-U-N-S, the size of our sun, get born every second. 32 suns per second are coming wow. out. That's a hot spot. That's a place where the universe is just creating brand new stuff. But here's the thing, Coot, and that is that we all have that within us because as above, so below, we've got to be made of exactly the same stuff that everything else in the universe is made of. There can't be any other way. There's not the universe over here and then human beings sitting over here to the side. Mm -hmm. We are imbued with all the same properties of the universe and we're made of the same elements. And if that's so, we've also got to be made with that creative force within us. Mm -hmm. It's obvious to me that we do have that creative force within us. We just haven't gotten down to the level at which we can kind of get beyond all of our personality stuff and all of our programming and all of the things that have gone on in our life that limit us. But down underneath that, and it's only a breath away, mm -hmm. you don't have to go to Tibet to learn this or, mm -hmm. you know, go on a 10 year retreat or anything. Just take a few breaths and be with yourself as you actually are loving yourself as you are and honoring yourself as you are. That's the fastest way to get unstuck. What about if someone says, okay, yeah, you know, I, I can't love myself because I've been a shitty person. You know, I've, I've, I've like, when I think about, you know, maybe there's something that they've done or something that they feel they haven't done or they feel some sense of unworthiness. So when, when they're with themselves, they just don't feel lovable. Yes. What then? Well, I, that, 
that's a condition that all of us get into from time to time. Mm-hmm. Here's one little kind of trick I use when I'm working with people who say they absolutely cannot generate that feeling of loving themselves. I ask them to think of someone they know for sure they do love. And pretty much everybody can say, okay, yeah, I love my grandmother or I mm-hmm. love my partner or, you know, they can think of someone they know for sure they love. And then I say, go ahead, feel that love for that person. And now just gently shift it over and love yourself the right. same way. Right. And right. that's um, that's a trick I put out or a, a tool I put out in my book, Learning to Love Yourself. Uh, the same year I met Katie, actually, 1980 was the year I started working on that book. And that's the year I fell madly in love with hmm. Katie Hendricks. Wow. Wow. I really like that thinking of someone that you really do love and sort of connecting to that feeling through them. You can almost feel through them and and see through their eyes almost. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing, Coot. Um, if you went and asked that person, is it okay if I use my love for you as a way to generate love for myself? They'd say, sure. Mm. You 24 hours a day. Mm. And, it's it's not exactly the same. It's a step to loving yourself. But mm-hmm. at a certain point, mm-hmm. you need to just stand in all your honor and glory as a member of the human species and a member of the nine million species mm-hmm. on planet Earth and just say, yes, here I am. And I can love myself for being part of it all and having the whole thing in me. The moment you learn to love the thing that you've been fearing it disappears. It's mm. almost magic. You know, mm. I've had people how, how say- does it, How does that happen? What is that? How does that happen? You know, the moment you learn to love your, love that thing, it disappears. It's, it's like, can you explain that a bit more? Because it, it seems like we're afraid of it. If I'm really with it, it will be there forever. That's right. That's exactly the fear. And that's the thought that actually keeps it in place. You know, the, the, and so here's why love does that. Because love is the only thing that can embrace something, can embrace its opposite. Mm. In other words, you right now can love yourself for not being able to love yourself. Mm. That's the power of love. And Mm. everyone listening can do that. You know, you can, because love is bigger than everything else. Love is bigger than fear. And you can prove that to yourself by what I'm talking about. Pick something that you've been struggling with and then just focus for one day or even 10 minutes on loving it instead of criticizing it. Oftentimes, you don't even need 10 minutes of doing that uh, before you say, oh, wow, okay, I get it. I'm lovable in light of all that, not in spite of it, in light of it. And what does loving it look like? Like, like. Can you just give a like, like? Let's say I have a trait that I that I hate. Do mm-hmm. I? And maybe it's detrimental. Do Do I just? How do I love it's, that when uh, an addiction or you know? Yeah. How, what does it look like to love that? Well, it looks like in a way. It, although that's the hardest thing in the world. Uh-huh. It's the uh-huh. simplest thing, really. Think of how. Uh, well, think of someone you know for sure you love, just so we can have an example. 
Mm-hmm. Can you think of someone? I have one. You you have one? Yep. Okay. Well, that wasn't hard, was it? No, really easy. It was very easy. Uh-huh. That was just right there. And so do exactly the same thing with that trait you don't like. Oh. Just open your heart to it, even just a little tiny bit. So the moment you stop judging it and just accept it like it is. Ah, rocks hard, water, water's wet, and I'm afraid of snakes. Mm-hmm. Or rocks hard, water's wet, and I still feel wounded about my brother dying. Mm-hmm. Speaking personally, my uh, 86-year-old brother passed away <laughs> about two weeks after I broke my leg, and I was still mm-hmm. in the hospital and on the medications and everything. So I wasn't really able to grieve his death. And he's my only remaining family member of that generation. Mm. And so I can even now feel tears coming to to my eyes as I think about that, because I was not in a place where I could really surrender myself to feel the full grief. And so Mm. finally, after a couple of weeks, they took me off the different medications so I had my head about me again. And so that's when I began to be able to feel the sadness, to feel missing him, you know, just to let myself experience it in my body. That's one of the most important things, because that's where we often find things that we most need to love. You know, you you realize, oh, my gosh, I've got a bunch of old anger stored up in my shoulders and that's Mm -hmm. why they hurt so much or i've got a lot of tension in my belly around fear you know Mm -hmm. you begin to notice things like that but then the most efficient thing to do is just open your heart to them and first accept them as they are and then take that next step of loving them as they are Mm. beautiful beautiful really just digesting that it's powerful Simple, not always easy, but 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 powerful. Um, if someone's at the beginning of this year and they're like, okay, gay, I want to make money. Mm. I want to create abundance, right? I want to have an abundant year financially, but I've been struggling the last five years, 10 years, you know, my whole life, I've had an issue with money. Mm-hmm. What advice, what what coaching guidance can you give to someone who they have an intention in 2024 to manifest abundance, mm-hmm. but they feel stuck? Mm-hmm. How do they move? How do they move through that? That that it, it, an unconscious block? Where, where do they begin? We have a a healing algorithm we we use here at the Hendricks Institute. And the initials for it are F-A-C-T, FACT. Mm. F stands for facing. A stands for accepting and loving. C stands for choosing. And T stands for taking action. Mm. So when you first come up against something like that, I want to be abundant, but I've never been. First, just face that as it is. (sighs) You know, rather than trying to make up an excuse about it, for whatever reason, acknowledge that I haven't been able to create abundance in my life and love yourself 
and experience um, gratitude for what you have done so far instead mm -hmm. of giving yourself a hard time. Nobody ever built a beautiful life on top of criticizing themselves. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't beat yourself into a state of higher mm -hmm. consciousness. Mm -hmm. You need to use that state of higher consciousness to unwind all those stuck places by simply facing them, loving them, and then choosing some alternative. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's not a one-time only thing. It's something you have to keep coming back to because a lot of times by the time, I don't know how old you were when you first sort of woke up mm. to all the things you know and believe in now that your thoughts create your reality and that yes. you can create abundance in the world. I was I was in my 30s, really, wow. early 30s before that hit home, <laughs> you know, because I'd been, I got my master's degree and my PhD from Stanford and very heady intellectual approach to things. And I was trained as a research psychologist, as well as a counseling psychologist. And yet, it's kind of funny saying this, but it's almost like a lot of the things I learned in my profession, I had to unlearn later, because they were keeping me from simply making a connection mm -hmm. with the other person. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, the essence of change, if you're working with a coach, is like that old saying, they People have to know you care before they care about what you know. You know, so you need to make that connection with people, that spiritual essence connection. Mm -hmm. um, a friend of mine, uh, Fritz Smith, he uh, he grew up in farm country. And he said that one time he saw two men on the back of donkeys having an argument with each other. They'd met on the road and they were having an mm -hmm. argument. But while the men were arguing, the two donkeys were nuzzling each other's faces. <laughs> uh, donkeys will do that. They like to express their affection by rubbing their face and will actually do it with people, too. But um, Fritz talks about making a donkey-donkey connection, you know, a connection to the essence of the other person. Mm. And the reason this is so important, because human beings have got this huge, complex thinking set of thinking skills that we've, you know, our, our brain has been operating this software for, you know, the last 50,000 years or so. The software, I mean, the hardware hasn't changed, but we're using more and more better software in our minds. Mm. And, you know, the, the old software tells us to, if there's something we don't agree with, shun it. You know, back in the Middle Ages, they would stone people. And in biblical time, they would stone people. And even up into modern times, there has been recent examples of people stoning adulterers and things like that. But I'm saying the only way to deal with it is to love that part of us mm. inside, because stoning it is never going to get rid of it. Yeah. The only way out is through loving it and accepting it into the wholeness of yourself. Mm. Yeah, it's beautiful. I think that that's a key point I'm, I've been really hearing and getting, and I hope people are really listening to, is just that full embrace and loving those parts of yourself. Beautiful. You mentioned thoughts creating reality, and I want you to speak, speak a bit more about that. Thoughts creating reality, and I guess 
how does that work? And this whole, you know, as people are thinking about manifesting this year ahead and what they want to manifest, how, how, how does the process of manifestation work? You know, thoughts create reality. And sometimes we have people have this idea, like, just think it and it, and it just kind of appears and just shows up and, you know, law of attraction and the secret. And so could you sort of simplify and break down like the process of manifestation for people? Yes. Um, I can, l- let me give an example first of, see, you're either going to be pushed from behind mm. by the power of your old programming, mm. or you're going to be pulled toward the future by the power of a vision you create for yourself. Mm. And positive thinking or or your thoughts creating your reality at its very simplest like one day, way back, I was, I think I was in my early 30s, I had this particular thought, and it was a negative thought about something. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh, for the same expenditure of energy, I could create a positive thought about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. About uh, It was something about how hard something was going to be. And I can't remember what it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was my, uh, in Colorado, everybody has to take a big test to become a licensed psychologist. Yeah. And you have to go up in front of a board and there's two two old guys that are grilling mm. you, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, a test you take. And anyway, I was manufacturing, oh, what if I fail and have to go back? And uh, 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 I'm going up with two friends. Mm. What if we all fail and have to come? You know, so I was generating all these negative thoughts about it. And then I thought, wait a minute, for exactly the same expenditure of energy, I could mm-hmm. be creating positive thoughts about that. And they have as equal validity because I haven't even done the thing yet. So why not go ahead and think positively about it? And so I generated a list of about a dozen maybe different thoughts. And I just started focusing on them, you know, like very simple things like picturing the three of us driving back down from the test, high-fiving. We we had to drive three hours to take the test. And so driving back to uh, Colorado Springs from Fort Collins, uh, you know, high-fiving each other for all passing the test and enjoying myself. I pictured myself enjoying myself during the test and mm. just kind of, you know, bantering with the two uh, old pros that were examining me. And the interesting thing was it came out almost even better than that. Because wow. at what, one point in the middle of the uh, the face-to-face exam, one of the men said, wow, I would like to have you here on our faculty teaching that sort of thing, you know, mm, at Fort Collins mm, rather than mm. University of Colorado where I was. Mm. And so, you know, so it was even better than I expected. And who knows what would have happened if I'd created those negative thoughts. Maybe I would have passed anyway. <laughs> but mm. the ironic thing that happened was that I ended up to be the only one of the three of us that passed. And so I, I had to do the one thing that I hadn't even thought of, which was riding back three hours with two guys that hadn't passed. The test. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, but we all made it through and stayed friends together, but they had to go make the long trip back up there. So um, how it looks is replacing, catching yourself, having a negative thought about something and mm-hmm. simply replacing it with a, yes, I can, or yes, I would be able to do that, or mm-hmm. or a picture. Sometimes a picture is worth a thousand affirmations, just picturing yourself 
doing the thing that you've been afraid of doing. Mm -hmm. Like early in my career, I worked with uh, juvenile delinquents. And uh, my first two years of my career, I worked with uh, 105 delinquents in a school and then about 15 or 20 delinquents in a uh, mm -hmm. halfway house situation. So I was always dealing with uh, helping people learn how to think more positively who had never, ever had a chance hardly to think a positive thought. Wow. I mean, I worked with kids that had you know, pretty much been beaten every day until social services came and took them away and put them in this school. And wow. so they were you know, from really rough backgrounds. But in every situation, it always worked the same, that they had to face whatever that was. Mm. I remember a kid who was so afraid of snakes. And here was the interesting thing. This really taught me a lot about human beings. There was a kid that I worked with from the inner city of Boston who had never personally seen a snake in real life, but he was so afraid of snakes that his mom would actually go through magazines before he looked at them to make sure there were no snakes because he would freak out even if he saw a picture. Wow. How does that work? Well, human beings are very complicated, so they can you know, see a picture of something and apply it to ourselves. Mm, you know, mm, like mm. Uh, a young friend of mine recently taught himself to drive a stick shift, which he'd never driven just by watching YouTube videos and practicing wow. out in the parking lot. Wow. You know, so you can learn really complicated tasks by just watching people doing them. And the same thing works for negatively, too. You can watch somebody mm -hmm. dealing with something negatively, and you take a snapshot of that, too, and that becomes the way you deal with it. Mm -hmm. Like I have a friend, another friend, who broke the cycle of alcoholism in his family, and really his grandparents, there was alcoholism in that generation. His parents, there was alcoholism in that generation. Mm -hmm. And my friend had like eight or nine years of very serious alcoholism himself. But finally, boom, he had that wake up day where he realized, oh, I'm an alcoholic. The day before, if somebody said, Jim, you're an alcoholic, he would have said, no, I can handle it. But there was this one day where he said, OK, it's bigger than I am. <sighs> That's where he needed his higher power to get involved, something that was big enough to encompass his alcoholism. Mm -hmm. That's why I say that love is the only solution, really, because it's the only thing that's bigger than its opposite. You can love hatred, and it gets you through moments of hating yourself so much better than piling on more layers of censorship mm -hmm. on top of yourself. I don't know if you know this or not, Coot, but when I was a kid, I struggled with obesity. I was born with a thyroid pituitary glandular problem that they didn't even find the cure for until I was uh, grown up in my 20s. But I wow. carried around, uh, yeah, I, I from birth on, like by the end of my first year, I was in the top 2% of baby weights. I was one of those extremely fat babies. And then I became a fat toddler and a fat wow. elementary school student. And ultimately, I didn't cure it through the thing that they learned, the medications and everything that mm. it took. Um, I cured it myself by waking up one day and realizing that, oh, I'm not my past. I was 24 years old and 
I'm not my past. I don't have to smoke two or three packs of cigarettes a day. I don't have to weigh 300 pounds anymore. I weigh, I weigh now about 180 pounds. I'm six feet tall. And so I'm athletic looking. And yet I looked like a pear in those mm. days. You know, uh, mm -hmm. I was uh, 120 some pounds more than I weigh now. But it all stopped on this one magic day where I realized that my past did not equal my future, that I created my future in moments of choice in this moment, this here and now. And on that day, I started making choices to eat food that fed my spirit rather mm. than eating food that fed my 300-pound body. Mm. And with a year, I'd lost more than 100 pounds and uh, all sorts of other wonderful things. I, I, for some reason, it changed my vision too. I, I wasn't thinking about that, but my vision changed. So I never needed to wear glasses again to pass my driving test, which I'd always had to wear mm. glasses to pass my driving test. And so in, from my 30s on, I was able to see much better. And I think it had to do with really accepting myself as I was, feeling mm. my old anger, feeling my mm. old shame, feeling my old fear, sorrow, all embracing my sexuality. All of those things are very complicated things, but they're solved through a very simple move of loving acceptance. The moment we can mm. face and feel and lovingly accept those parts of ourselves, which we've in the past shunned or stoned or tried to get rid of, that's the magical beginnings of a brand new life. Mm, beautiful. Connected to that, um, I guess this is something I'd love your take on. Like, you know, as people de de sort of decide, discern, okay, what do I want to create? What do I want to manifest? You know, there's this thing in self-help that you often hear, and you've been around. Uh, you know, you often hear people say, you can have anything you want. You can have, you can create anything you want. You can manifest anything you want. So is it true? I mean, is, uh -huh. is, is this true? What are your thoughts on that? Because, you know, you hear the positive thinking books and the law of attraction folks. It's like, can we really manifest anything we want, Gay? Like, like if, if I believe it enough, am I going to be able to be LeBron James? Am I going to be able to be Elon Musk and manifest $300 billion? Like, or... I mean, are there limits? In, are there limits? And I, I guess, how do we discern what goals to go after? So there's probably like yes. a couple of questions in there. Well, here's my thinking about this. First, I think just, you know, I've been around here 78 years now, and I worked with my first client in 1968. So my math isn't good, but how many years is that? That's like 50 some years, right? Yeah. So I've been yeah. working with people. And I've worked with very successful executives. I've worked with about 1,200 of them. And as I said, I worked with juvenile delinquents and all sorts of people in between with different life problems. In my experience, human beings have the capability and the energy to accomplish really a fairly limited set of things. I say five. Focus mm. on creating five things that are your deepest heart's desire mm. and make them things that are possible in the physical sense. Like if you set yourself the task of being LeBron James, I'm going to say, well, first of all, Coot, how tall are you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you, you know, is that, is that really what you want to put your time on? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, even if you're the hmm. 300th best basketball player in the world, you're still not LeBron James. So right, right. put your attention on the five things that your heart really desires that are accomplishable by you in a lifetime. Mm. I did that. I came up with my five things that are in my book, Five Wishes. Uh, But every human being, I think, has that power. Like for me, number one, I wanted to create a relationship with a woman with whom I could grow and change over the years. And at the time I surfaced that wish, I didn't have that. But I put my priority on that. I really okay, that's the most important thing for me. I'm going to give it a lot of energy. The second thing in my life, I wanted to live in a state of completion with people in my life, family members. So there was nothing I hadn't said to them that was important or nothing they had that was important that I hadn't listened to. So I didn't want any kind of incompletions around me in my life. And so I've gone to great lengths to, you know, to make sure if I'm mad at somebody, I go talk to them about it. If, uh, Um, I remember when I first uh, started thinking about this, I was around 30 years old and I realized, oh my gosh, I've owed $160 to a guy since I was 25 years old and I had never paid him back. And I used the justification of it. I got angry at him. So I didn't pay him back his $160, (laughs) you know, and human beings can think of a justification for just about anything. But I realized, no, that's an incompletion. So I had to actually do some detective work and found him living in a place up in New Hampshire and, you know, sent him money and all that. And But almost in a way, the money was separate from the fact of reaching completion. You know, $160 doesn't sound very much, but it's a little thing that in your mind, you know, is incomplete. And that's like having a like my granddad says, you know, like having a burr under your saddle, have a thorn or something under your saddle. And it just keeps irritating you, even though you're sitting on a saddle, you know. And um, so um, I came up with a third thing, which I wanted to learn how to write from my heart. Mm. I was trained as a scientific writer, uh, you know, Stanford and all that. And um, but they weren't teaching me how to write the kind of books I wanted to write, like learning to love yourself and the big leap and things like that. So that became a third priority of mine. A fourth priority became, I wanted to learn as much as I could about spirit, um, metaphysics, uh, God, the higher power, whatever you want to call it. I kind of, when I was growing up, I didn't connect very well with the Orthodox religion. I grew up in the deep Mm. South and, you know, a lot of the forms of religion down there just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And it wasn't until Mm. I was up in my, you know, twenties, thirties, where I really realized that it's not about an authoritarian God that's telling you what a terrible person Mm. you are all the time, you know, and that's kind of the milieu I grew up in. And so that's when I had to kind of evolve my own, feeling about Mm. God and spirit and higher power. And the fifth thing I wanted to create in my life was to be able to savor all the moments of my life, to be in the present. Um, Mm. And this was, you know, decades before the power of now or anything like that. But Mm. I realized that being in the present is where all the good stuff happens. You can't be in your head and 
have the good stuff of life come your way. You know, it's just not possible. And so anyway, I hatched those five big wishes for my life. And yours is, everybody's going to be a little bit different yep. there. But like my friend, uh, my late friend, Max Weissman, he was a lawyer. And he was 44 years old. And he realized, if I keep being a lawyer, it's going to kill me. I don't think I'm going to live to 50 years old because I'm having to spend all day doing things I don't like. Mm. Uh, you know, as he put it, he said, I spend all day, pardon my French here, taking mm. money from one asshole and giving it to another asshole. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you know? And so he says, on my deathbed, what am I going to be thinking? Oh, great. I got money from 5,000 assholes and made yeah. 5,000 other assholes richer, you wow. know? And so he realized when he was 44, he had never wanted to be a lawyer. He wanted to be a medical doctor. Wow. And he couldn't he couldn't find a single medical school in the United States that would take a 44 year old person. So he had to apply to a Dutch medical school mm. and they said, oh, yeah, we'll take you. But you can either start in six weeks or a year from now. Which one do you want to do? And he said six weeks. And they said, OK, well, you've got to be fluent in Dutch by the time you get here. <laughs> OK, you know, so he spent six weeks immersed. Wow in learning how to, you know, and he got fluent enough by six weeks to be able to listen to medical lectures. Wow. And, yeah. And he was 44. And so it took him up until his 50s to complete his residency and all that. But, you know, by the time I mm. met him, he was in his 70s and one of the happiest people I ever met. In fact, I didn't even know any of this about Max, but I was speaking at a conference where he was speaking. Mm. And uh, I actually said, I said, you're the he's mentioned to me that he was 77 years old and I was maybe 40 at the time. And I said, you're one of the happiest looking people I've ever met. How did you do that? And he said, oh, nobody ever asked me that. And then he explained this thing that had happened to him. And but, you know, you don't have to be 44 years old and miserable mm -hmm. to do that. You could be 17 years and say my life was a complete success. What are the five things that made it a complete success? Mm. And come up with your big five. And, you know, it'll change your life. It certainly did mine. Beautiful. And I think that will really focus people in terms of yes. their intention and what, what's important uh, this coming year, but also in life. One of the final questions I want to ask, Gay, is um, I think, in, you know, on the path to creating and manifesting, people are going to face some setbacks along the way. And so I'm curious your advice on how people can deal with setbacks. I, I know, for instance, uh, you said you, you had broken your leg. And, yeah. you know, I, I think about that myself. And, and I'm like, wow, I love being mobile and running and exercising, being in my body. So I'm like, shit, if I broke my leg, ah, so, you know, so I'm curious how that was for you. And, 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 and you know, when I see you now, it hasn't been that long. First thing I said to you was, "You look great. You seem like you seem you." It wouldn't even occur to me that this was someone that just broke their leg because most yeah, people had to would use be a walker off, to get in here. Pissed off, frustrated, mad, you know, upset. Um, so I guess how was that for you, and how did you deal with that so that you didn't fall into a sense of like negativity or feeling stuck and you know how, how do what advice can you give to someone for dealing with setbacks also in this coming year yes well first of all everybody's going to have them um and 
the important thing to do is when you have a a setback is to get back to your basic principles and mm -hmm. go from there because the setback is usually because you've wandered away from your key principles. Now, uh, in business, it's a little different than breaking a leg. I'd never broken a bone before, so it was new territory for me. But uh, I recommend that people um, remember the image of the automatic pilot on an airplane because the automatic pilot does something extremely well that human beings do very poorly. Mm. And here's how, let's say um, I live near uh, Los Angeles, for example. So let's say I go down to LAX and I get on a plane and I'm going to go to Maui. And the, uh, the pilot sets the coordinates in there and says, okay, we want to go to Maui. And the airplane has this mechanism, the automatic pilot, where it says, we're drifting a little to the right, correct mm. back to the left. Okay, mm. we're drifting a little to the left, correct back to the right. Oh, we're going up a little, correct back down. So it's doing this thousands of times, making these tiny little corrections an hour. So it gets to Maui by being wrong most of the time mm. because it has the capacity to self-correct, to say, oh, that doesn't feel right. Let's get back to the basics here. And so remember... You know, the automatic pilot gets where it is by being wrong most of the time mm -hmm. because it self-corrects. It can take feedback. Human beings are never very good at it. Imagine if you had a person there on the thing, and this person over here said, you're steering right, go back to the left. And then this person says, no, you're steering left, go back to the right. You know, <laughs> it wouldn't take but a few of those till somebody got punched out. Yes. And so that's the advantage of the automatic pilot. So be willing to self-correct, be willing to mm -hmm. let go of what isn't working. And pretty soon you'll be able to spot things that will work and not work just by looking at them because you'll have some experience with that. As a matter of fact, one of my old business mentors said the best deals you'll ever make are the deals you don't make <laughs> because they'll look something that's so juicy and shiny and beautiful. And you'll say, Ooh. Oh, wow, I could make a bunch Ooh. of money by doing that. And inevitably, you know, it comes back to bite us if it wanders us off from our yeah. central yeah. intention. And so self-correction, being willing to listen to feedback from other people mm. is really, really important. Mm. Like Bob Proctor used to say, the instructions for how to get out of the box, unfortunately, are written on the outside of the box. <laughs> <laughs> what's the most important, final question, what, like, like, what, what's the most important or some of the most important questions that people can be asking themselves this year? One is, what do I most love to do and how can I spend more of my time doing that? Mm. Mm. Everybody has things they know how, and things they love to do. Maybe even going back into childhood. I don't know if you remember, but there were things I would get so involved in that my mother would call me for dinner. You know, I'd be out in the backyard. And I wouldn't even hear her, you know, until about the third time. And, and I, oh, Thank you. I'll be in in just a minute. But the first couple of times I was so engaged yeah, in what yeah. I was doing. Well, find those kind of things as a grown up. Find the things you mm -hmm. love to do. I think genius, my definition of genius 
is you're doing what you most love to do and what makes the biggest contribution to the world around you, to your family, to your friendship network, to your community. You know, if you're really deeply engaged in doing things you love to do, it will make contributions to other people's lives as well. And keep your attention on finding the sweet spot of what you love to do and what makes your biggest contribution. Mm, beautiful. Dave, thank you so much. You're a blessing, man. You've been a blessing in my life. Just know that. And uh, I know you've been a blessing in many folks' lives through all of your teachings and books. And I know you have a new book, Your Big Leap Year, a year to manifest the next level of your life. Starting today, it's a it's a Starting daily today. it's a daily reading. Uh, folks, it really break, Gay's book breaks breaks down so much so many different teachings and concepts into simple actionable steps. I want to encourage you to check out your big leap year. Go get it. Go to Amazon. Check it out. Is there anything you want to say about the book and where can people well, get, get in contact um, with you? Yes. Uh, first of all. It's not a book that you have to start on January 1st. Your day one can be anytime, even if you didn't start till March. So the book just starts with day one. It doesn't say January 1st. And in fact, it's out. It comes out in February, which is a big leap. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Perfect so it's timing. Got, it's got 366 days, not 365 days, because it's got nice. a bonus for your leap year. It's nice. beautiful. So, so, so you heard it, folks. Comes out in a few weeks. We're launching uh, this gaze episode. Is the first episode of 2024. We're kicking off Soul Talk with the amazing Gay Hendricks. His new book, Your Big Leap Year. Uh, go to you know, retailers wherever you buy books. Your local bookstores, Amazon, and uh, get a copy. Pre-order. Get a copy of Your Big Leap Year. And what's the best website people can get in touch with you? Our best website is Hendricks.com, H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S.com. We also have our nonprofit foundation, which has a tremendous amount of resources over there, videos. Uh, that's called foundationforconsciousliving.com. Awesome. And uh, so you can find out both more about those. Um, and also, um, I just wanted to say to you, Coot, before we finish up, um, how I'm really so happy that you're doing what you're doing because you're obviously in your genius zone uh -huh. and doing things that have a profound effect on other people's lives. So I want to appreciate you for finding the sweet spot of your genius and beginning to spend more and more of your time there at a relatively young age. Oh, thank you, Jay. You're a blessing. I can't wait to uh, see you in person at some point soon and give you a big hug. Uh, give, give your wife a hug, give Katie a hug, and uh, thank you for just just pouring yourself into to our community and inspiring folks for the year ahead. So you heard it, folks. Get Gay's book, Your Big Leap Year, Hendrix.com. And we'll put all of uh, Gay Hendrix's links in the show notes. Check out the book. Check out his amazing work. Your life will definitely be blessed. Make sure you share this episode with anyone in your life that you feel would would uh, be inspired and find it a blessing. Send me an email, Coop Blackson at coopblackson.com. I'd love to hear your key takeaways from this week's episode. Until next week, love now.
If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.coopblackson.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.